Well, listen, welcome to church. Welcome to New Life Church today. Uh, you know, sometimes you just, um, you just feel and sense something bigger than yourself. And I pray that's the case today, that the bigger is Jesus. Well, listen, if you're just now catching up with us today, maybe the first time with us, I'm Jeremy Smith, the lead pastor here. And we have been in a series throughout the last couple of months in the book of Acts. And we are um, we're about two-thirds of the way in. We're going to be in chapters 18, 19, and 20 today. And um, it's just been pretty, pretty cool to see and go back and, and look at the way the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of people and how he was building the, the, the church and as a whole, even though there's local and individual churches all the way around, but how he was bringing them alive and working his uh, will into people's lives. And it's been pretty exciting. Today we're going to look at uh, another part of that in 18, 19, and 20. And I just want to say hi to all of you who may be online watching and worshiping with us today, wherever you might be. We just say welcome into this service today at New Life Church. I want to preach a message in, uh, on these three chapters that I've titled, Bound by the Spirit. Bound by the Spirit. And um, Paul, it really talks about two places where Paul lingers and hangs out. It's, he hangs out and spends some time in the city of Corinth and in the city of Ephesus, separated by the Aegean Sea. And, um, and just a little context to these, two, to these two cities. They're both pretty big cities. Corinth is a big city. It's a large commercial uh, center, has a lot of... Uh, seaports, uh, shipping ports, and pretty, pretty commercialized place. But it was, it was a pretty depraved, uh, and depraved culture known for its debauchery that, that, was ha- that were the way people were living. And, but in the middle of that dark city, God planted a church. And Ephesus is also an, uh, a pretty big city. It had over 100,000 people in it at the time. It was, um, it was a, one of those white marble-looking cities, um, just kind of had that glow and that glisten in a way, um, and it was it was called one of the most beautiful cities in the world at the time. And it had at, at its at its uh, center the temple of Artemis, which was one of the seventh great wonders of the world in that era. And uh, that was uh, a Greek goddess uh, who was known for the supreme, for supreme power that they worshipped. This this Greek goddess there in Ephesus, and uh, it was also historically known for having at its center um, the powerful magic practices and the casting of spells, uh, kind of appropriate for October 31st. Uh, I didn't plan it that way. It just happened that way. Uh, As well as it was the cult center, uh, as I mentioned, as they worshiped this goddess of supreme power, so they thought supreme power. Uh, until Paul labored there. Paul labored in Corinth for about a year and a half during this travel, and he labored in Ephesus for about right at three years, invested his life. But at the core of Paul, there's something we need to catch today, was his conviction of commitment to the Holy Spirit. Paul was, at least in the way Luke writes it in the book of Acts, uh, that Paul was just, he did not care. He was going to do what God wanted him to do no matter what. He was so committed to the Holy Spirit and whatever the Holy Spirit was 
wanting to do. His succession was determined by his surrender to the Holy Spirit. You and me, our succession in life will be determined by the level of surrender we have to the Holy Spirit, to the role and the power of Jesus in our life. We can't just say, well, hey, that was Paul the Apostle, and that was, that's what you know, a lot of these things were written about. We can't just say, well, that was him. That's not who I am. We can't really get away with that. Because if we're born again, we have the power of God. We have Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit. Scripture says, greater is he who lives in you than he that lives in the world. Greater is he, greater is Jesus in you. So the greatness of Jesus living in us says we can be and we can do all that God says we can do in this life. In Paul's life, his mission, wherever, he, wherever Paul went, it, it, you read about it several times, he strengthened and encouraged the believers. Sometimes people give Paul a bad rap like he was harsh or he was brutal or any of that. He, his goal, his mission with the church was to come in and reinforce and strengthen and encourage them. And then he went out and he preached the gospel to give the lost an opportunity to be found in Christ, to come to Jesus. And he made a definite impact. I mean, he, made, he, he, writ, he, he wrote um, close to two-thirds of the New Testament, all the epistles, and you add them together, all those letters. Uh, he made a definite impact, and he left a residue. This is what I want you to get. He left a residue of conviction upon the people that he was in front of and with and spent time with so that they would live their life like him is bound to the Spirit. Man, I'd like to think, man, anybody that I come in contact with and how I am living my life with Jesus, it makes such an impact and leaves such a a residue on someone's life to live for Jesus in a more passionate and greater and fervent way than I ever did. It's not a work that I can make happen. It's not a work that Paul can make happen. Paul just simply lived bound by the Spirit of God. And as a result, he left this residue with everybody wherever he went. There was this residue, this runoff, this overflow of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus in their life that they too said, you know, I have got to live like Paul is living because I like the way Paul is living and I like the outcome of Paul's life and therefore I want that for my life too. I want that for my family as well. And you begin to see that. You see that throughout Paul's ministry and his various journeys in the known world at the time and how God used his life. And we're going to start at the end of of, of this story today in chapter 20. We're going to go back to 18 and 19. We're going to start in 20 though. So kind of at the end of this segment, the end of this part of the journey that he's on. Paul has been in Corinth. Paul has been in Ephesus and has labored intensely amongst the people and worked hard for the kingdom of God. And, uh, but it wasn't over. It still was not over. It looked like it might be over. It looked like maybe this was where Paul was going to hang his hat and retire and maybe uh, be on an island, uh, you know, in Greece or up in Philippi on the coastline, get a little beach crib, you know, and, and, and live it out there. But that was not where he was at. It was not the end of his life. He had done a whole lot. And let's, let's pick that up in verse 18. 
It says Paul, but who's Paul? Paul's talking to some people, though. He's talking to the uh, leaders in Ephesus. They had come to meet him. He had he was sailing back to Jerusalem. He was trying to get back for the festivals, and he he bypassed Ephesus and came around Ephesus and stopped in a little. Uh, coastal town, and but when he got there, he was like, no, I've got some unfinished business. I need to talk to the church leaders in Ephesus. Can you ask them to come meet me here? And they, they came and met him there, and here's what he says. It says, when they arrived, in verse 18, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews, and I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, not either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And he goes on, verse 22. He says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, He says, I don't know what awaits me there, except that the Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city, I'm going to get rich and have big homes and driving fancy cars, and I'm just going to have a really good retirement. Nothing wrong with any of that. But he says, in city after city, jail after jail and suffering lie ahead. I don't think I'm going to go. I think I'll just hang. I think I'll just stop. Right? What does he say? Verse 24, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And that work is telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul starts this out, he's letting the church elders know, hey, you know me well, I labored hard, I labored faithfully, I did everything I knew I could do with you and wherever the Lord had had sent me, through tears and through trials, I didn't stop. I told you the truth in public, I told you the truth privately in your own homes, I didn't shrink back, this is who I am and this is who I believe Jesus is. And he says, and now I'm bound by the Spirit, I have to get to Jerusalem because there's still some unfinished business that God has with my life. And later we'll find out at the end of this uh, text in, in Acts, when we get to it, spoiler alert, Paul's still going, all right? We'll find out why. But he says there's still more there, but he, the Holy Spirit's telling me it's not going to be pleasant and it's not going to be that easy if I keep going. But he didn't stop. He said, I have to because... I must fulfill my destiny. I must finish my assignment that God has me here on this earth for. I have to complete why I'm here. I have to finish it. I mean, nobody would argue with Paul. Paul, you've done enough, bro. You've done it, man. You've saved thousands. You healed many. People love you, man. Come on. There's some people who hate you, but there's a whole lot more who love you. You got a lot of churches. You got a lot of disciples. You got a lot of people following Jesus. Now, Paul, take it easy. Take the chill pill, dude, and just relax, man. Slow your roll, homie. Right? And Paul's like, 
I would, that would sound so enticing, but there's something more compelling that, that's getting at me and it won't let me sleep, that wakes me up, that says, you've got to go to Jerusalem, and it's not going to be easy when you go through this time, but there's a reason I have you going through this time. There's a purpose. There's a divine purpose for it. Paul could have easily gone the opposite way, but instead he's like, I have to fulfill my destiny. I have to finish my assignment. You know, sometimes where God calls us is not always pleasant and not always easy. But if we will be faithful to it and obedient to it, we'll see that God has divine purpose established in the middle of it. What is more important than fulfilling our destiny and finishing our assignment? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. For Paul, it meant going to Jerusalem. For us, it might just mean staying put, standing still, sticking with where God has us. And staying on that long road of obedience to the Lord. And we could, yeah, I mean, we could argue, Paul could be like, you know, everybody else is taking a break now, man. They did their thing. They're, they're hanging over here and taking it easy. What about me? What about me? When do I get to do that? And like, we all have a choice. Paul had a choice, but obviously Paul had some kind of convicting thing going on that made a difference in his life. And he was like, I am bound by the Spirit. i got to finish what God has for me. I can't stop short. I can't do it. I can't, I can't quit now. You see, the enemy wants to, in our flesh, wants to do everything it can to separate and disconnect us from God's purpose for our life. So the question is, what is the Spirit of God wanting to bind you to? What is the Spirit of God wanting to bind you to? I believe it's God's purpose. It's God's assignment. It's God's will for your life and it's going to look different from others absolutely not everybody was called to be a Paul not everybody's called to do what Paul did but everybody is called to live for Jesus we are called and compelled to give our life to Jesus and it's going to look different as how it fleshes out in the different seasons of our life but at through it all and with it all can we say man I will still stick with what God has for me no matter what The Holy Spirit seeks to bind us to God's purpose and to get us to walk in faithful obedience to the Lord and giving Him glory with the way we live our life. And that opens up the whole Romans 8.28 effect that Paul famously wrote. For God works everything together for good. For those who love the Lord and who live called according to His purpose for their life. You see, God gets the glory when we live in faithful obedience to Him. It's not anything we got to try to conjure up and manufacture and make happen for ourselves. It's just the fact that we just determined to live faithful and obedient to the will and the purpose of God for our life. That's why Paul later writes, he said, don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves. Don't compare what you're doing with what someone else is doing. Or don't compare what someone else is doing with their life based on what you're doing with your life. Compare it to the will and the purpose that God has for you and not what everybody else is doing with their life. And you see this go into effect, how Paul lives this way, how Paul 
just walked this way and he had this impact. He left this residue on all the different people that he came in contact with. Man, I like to know I can live that way. I know I don't live that way every day, but maybe once in a blue moon I live that way. But I like to think, man, am I really, is my life really making that kind of difference? That I want my life to make that kind of difference. And you go back and you see the difference that Paul made. Let's jump back into Corinth in chapter 18. You guys with me right now? I just feel like preaching today. Not that I don't ever want to preach. It's just today there's something different about this today. I don't know the full answer to it. Can you guys ride with me? I'm not going to keep you here forever. Okay, I promise. So Paul, going back to 18, let's look at verse 1. Paul left Athens, that's where he was prior, and went to Corinth. He came in a, he came uh, became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deport, deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them. They were tent makers. They, um, just as he was, they became partners together. Verse 8. Paul meets the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. And then it says, many others in Corinth also heard Paul, and they became believers and were baptized. Verse 11, Paul stayed there in Corinth for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. Verse 18, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time, said goodbye to them, and he went on and began to set sail for Syria, and he took Priscilla and Aquila with him. Verse 24, So, a year and a half goes by, Paul's in Corinth, Paul's laboring, Paul's teaching, Paul's meeting with people, Paul is just going at it to help people know the Lord and encourage and strengthen the believers there. Paul's work in Corinth paved the way for this next person who was coming up, and that's verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos... An eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord. He taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. Verse 26, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside, explained the way of God even more accurately. Verse 27, Apollos had been thinking, about going to Achaia, and, the, and that's where Corinth is. And the brothers and the sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers there, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So Paul left Corinth after a year and a half. And meanwhile, during that time, there was this man named Apollos that God was bringing up that was going to eventually go to Corinth and labor behind Paul, what Paul had built, what Paul had established. Apollos came up on the scene. I love that about him. He said he was educated in the scripture. He, he also had an enthusiastic spirit, but he also taught with accuracy. I love that. That's a great combination to have knowledgeable of the word, not boring, but could teach and preach with accuracy. That's a good goal to have. 
That's a good goal to have. And meanwhile, he was there, Priscilla and Aquila, Paul's partners, heard him preaching, loved what he was preaching. But it said this, it said they, they took him aside, took him in, and explained the way of God even more accurately. They, uh, another translation says they helped uh, fill in the gaps more completely. I love that. Apollos was an educated man in the Word, enthusiastic in his spirit, accurate in his teaching. But yet there were still some things missing in his life and maybe in his theology that someone needed to fill in the gaps with a little bit more. He needed to mature just a bit more. He had a heart and a vision for God. He wanted to do great things for God. He felt called by God. Man, enthusiastic, energetic. You couldn't, you couldn't out-hustle Apollos. The man could go all day. He could preach to a brick wall, and the brick wall would bow to the Lord. But there was some maturation that still needed to catch up to Apollos. And so they took him in. And Apollos could have been like, you know what? I don't know who you are. Why are you trying to tell me what to do? I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. I don't need to listen to you. No, Apollos showed that he had humility. And he welcomed their help. He welcomed their help. And they helped fill in the gaps a little bit more. You know, thank God for some seasoned folks who lovingly take people under their wing and help them to fill in the gaps. You know, that's really a good picture of the body of Christ, of the church. Of how we, different ones of us, more seasoned perhaps, some of you more seasoned, more mature. You can see someone and you can take them under your wing and you can love them and you can care for them. And you can help them mature a little bit more in the way of the Lord. I thank God for some of the seasoned folks over the course of my life who, who took me under their wing and helped point me to the fact that you might be energetic, but you have some gaps that need to be filled. This, I have with me today a Bible that I was given from a company I worked for before I entered full-time ministry. I worked for a healthcare company, an orthopedic company. And they got me, they went together and got me this Bible presented to me on the occasion of full-time ministry. And I had gone back and put a lot of things in this Bible that the Lord had given me from another Bible I had. And I just, you know, put them in here and, and just, I was just looking back over it today. Some things that people said, others who took me under their wing and helped fill in some gaps in my life. One person said, you know, you will never be anointed and used greatly by God until you have risked willing to be wrong. Another one told me the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized and captured within the lifetime of the opportunity. Another person told me if, if you take your eyes off the promise, you will be destroyed by the process. Another person who spent a lot of time in prayer told me this, your intimacy with Jesus today might produce somebody's salvation tomorrow. 
told me quite a few things, taught me a lot. That doesn't mean I've arrived by all means. I'm Like Paul said in Philippians 3, I haven't got there yet. I'm not perfect. I still got ways to go, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep looking forward. I'm, I'm going to let go of where I've messed up in the past, but keep my eyes focused on the future of what God has. And, you know, I'm thankful for people. They're old, an old guy, nobody would know this man, but his name's Harris Renfro. He passed years ago in an accident, but he was one of the older guys in our church back in the day in Memphis where I'm from, and he was in charge of the intercessory prayer ministry of the church, and he, he invited me to come up to the upper room, if you will, to the prayer loft, and he said, when you come in, don't say anything. I just want you to listen. Listen with your spirit and your heart, but also listen to the prayers of others who have been saturating these pews for years, believing God for souls to be saved and saints to be strong. He put within me, planted within me that, that seed of understanding that, man, God wants us to stand in the gap and pray on behalf of other people. I'm thankful for other leaders like my youth pastors, Rick and Susan Bennett, one of our outside elders for our church today, who taught me the value of day, the daily grind of discipleship and how on your worst day, that's not who you are. Keep, keep looking up. Keep getting back up and looking ahead because that's discipleship. That's the process of God and how he works in your life. Don't let your future be defined by your, by your struggle today. Let, God, let, let yourself see that there's still greater things God wants to do beyond your current struggle in your life. I'm thankful for them. They taught me about pastoral ministry and opened my eyes up to missions. I'm thankful for another couple nobody would know unless they ever came here to visit. Maybe one day they will. Dan and Glenda Grandin. Uh, taught me a few things uh, late, uh, late in my uh, early 19, 21-year-old range, right before I got married, and just, just taught me a few things, taught me how to tie up a few loose, loose ends in my life before I said, I do, and, and, and chartered out on my own as, as a husband. And I'm thankful for people like that. And there's been many others outside of family who have, who have taken me under their wing over the, over the course of time and helped fill in the gaps. But you see, Priscilla and Aquila were able to do that because Paul was bound by the Spirit and left a residue on Priscilla and Aquila's life so that they could then do that for Apollos, who then it ended up going to Corinth. He ended up going to Corinth. And the Scripture says that they, they, uh, when he got there, he proved to be of great benefit. Man, isn't that a good testament to have for your life? When you got somewhere, when you showed up somewhere, it was said of you that you were of great benefit to the people you were around. How about that family Thanksgiving coming up? They can be said they weren't a jerk, but man, they were actually nice to me this year. They hadn't spoken to me in three years, but this year they just smiled and it made all the difference. I don't know. You can't blame it all on COVID now. That's the kind of impact he made and that's the kind of impact you and I are called to make. That's the kind of impact Aquila and Priscilla made and that's the kind of impact you and I are called to make. Who, in, in this church, you look around, can you think of that you could look at and say, I wonder if they just need someone to just walk with them a little bit in life right now. 
I wonder if they just, and you're not trying to force yourself on anybody, force your opinion down somebody's throat, but you're just willing to walk with them. It said Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos preached. They set in on what he was saying. In other words, they got to know him some. Who in the church, I think, who in the church can we, can we begin to have our eyes open to to see and wonder, man, I could probably help them, God willing. Because that's part of the church. That's part of the body of Christ. Walking this thing out. And that's the kind of impact Paul left. And lastly, chapter 19. Verse 1, it says, Apollos went to Corinth. Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. And there he found himself several believers. And then jump down over to verse 17. The first part says, The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. What story? What story? I want to end with this right here. What story spread so quickly throughout Ephesus? Keep in mind, Ephesus is over 100,000 people. So it's like a story, one story spreading through Madison County. One story spreading through 100,000 people. And it happened quickly. This is before Instagram. This is before TikTok. This is before Facebook or whatever now it's going to be called. This is before social media. This is before text messaging. This is before email. I mean, this is way before any of that kind of stuff. How does something like this spread so quickly? Let's look back to see what the story was. Verse 8. Paul went to the synagogue and, and he preached. I probably Let me just paraphrase this for time today. Is that okay? You can read that in chapter 19, 8 through 16, the story of what happened. I'll just summarize it this way. Paul spent three months in the synagogue teaching. Some jerks got up and didn't like it. Then he said, fine by me. I'll take all the believers and we're going to go to the college campus, the lecture hall of Tyrannus, whose name means sovereign. And it said for two years, Paul was in the lecture hall on this campus for two years, speaking and teaching the truth. Two years. So this sovereign lecture hall became a sovereign school of ministry where everyone, as many who came into here, went out and preached until it said the entire province of Asia heard the word of God. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of land. That's a lot of space. In two years... As many who came in to hear the word went out and preached the word. As many who came in and received the word went out and freely lived out the word. Come on, church. What, what kind of church can we be? We can be the kind of church as many as come and hear the word. We can go out and live the word until everybody can hear it, until everybody can witness it, until everybody can feel it. And then it goes on and says, Paul, and it says, God also gave Paul power to do some unusual miracles. They said that any handkerchief or apron that touched his skin, they took it and gave it out to people. And it said they were healed of their diseases and they were delivered of evil spirits. So in a city that was known for magic, 
known for dark magic and casting spells and living in this cult, worshiping this goddess of supreme power. From a college campus, from the lecture hall, they were receiving God's word for two years and going out and expressing it and living it and telling others about it. And people who were sick and dying and full of the devil, handkerchiefs and aprons were just thrown out. And wherever they touched and whomever they touched, they got what they needed from God. And then, that's not all. Then it said there's these these group of Jews who were traveling from town to town trying to cast out evil spirits in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. They tried it. They were called the seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was one of the leading priests. His seven sons. They tried it one day with this one man who was full of the, who was full of the devil. And, they, and, the, and the person looked at him and said, we know Jesus and we've heard about Paul, but who are you? And it said that that one man overpowered these seven dudes, beat them up, stripped them of their clothes to where they ran away naked. So the seven sons of Sceva became the seven streakers of Sceva. Not good. They were trying to fabricate something they didn't have. I like to go back and think, man, does darkness, obviously darkness knows the name of Jesus. And that guy said, I've also heard of Paul. I want darkness to be able to say, I've also heard of Jeremy. Not because I do big and bad things but because I serve a big God who lives big in me. And man, I'm so sorry, God, for the times I've made it about myself, that I live so selfishly, live so piously, that I made it about me and not about you. I want to live so bound by the Spirit that, man, darkness knows the power of Jesus inside of this vessel. And it's a new, this story of what happened spread quickly. And here's the result. It said, a solemn fear descended on that city. The name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. Some variations say they were publicly telling others how they have sinned and where they have fallen short. So remorseful, so repentive. They didn't care. They didn't care. And it said a number of them who had been practicing this sorcery brought their incantation books and they burned them at a public bonfire. The value of these books said it was of several million dollars. That's how radical living bound by the Spirit can produce those kind of results. I got a long ways to go. But I like to think I'm part of the call 
in the crowd and the remnant that says, you know, I know I got a long ways to go, but I'm going to be up there with the rest of you and I'm going to keep chanting and keep screaming and keep preaching and keep believing and keep praying and keep doing what God has called me to do because I want to see the God of Acts be the God of today. I want to see people who were lost and crazy in this world find Jesus and know what peace is like. The power of God caused the word to spread and people were greatly affected. That's what verse says, 20. The message about the Lord, not about Paul, but about the Lord. You see, that's when you know it's of God. It's about Jesus spread so widely and it had a powerful effect. We are called to live bound by the Spirit. If you're able to stand, let's stand. I want to just pray and I want God to release in our life what He wants to release in our life. Lord, let it be real. Let what we read about in your word be real in our life. God, we forgive us because we get so caught up in the things of this world. And you're not, you're not, taking away joy and enjoyment and fun or any of that. So we tie, we try to we get tied to the wrong things sometimes. You call us to simply live bound, tied to your spirit. Because your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is power. Your spirit is wise. Your spirit will never steer us wrong. Though sometimes your spirit will take us into some unpleasant seasons. Only to bring about a desired result. Holy Spirit, today. We're not making it about a hype. We're not making it about an emotion. Making it about the matter of the heart. Bind us to your spirit. Therefore, we'll be bound to your purpose for which we are created. So that Jesus will be glorified and you take everything and turn it into good because that's who you are our succession is determined by our surrender today we surrender we surrender we surrender
have your way in our life. Jesus.